I'm Howard Mersbergen, work at Christian Schools International. I uh, work with uh, the employee benefit program, so retirement plans, health plans, um, and I've been doing that for about 37 years, but this is my last year, so I'm going to start drawing that pension plan that I've been working on so, so long. So um, it's um, been nice to be able to be at these and to chat with you, and, but I am looking forward to the next adventure in life, too. So. Uh, we're going to talk about retirement. We're going to talk about it from a dollars and cents perspective. There's a whole lot more about retirement beyond the dollars and cents. Um, but we're just going to focus on the dollar and cents aspect of it today and just help give you some thoughts as you look toward that for providing for it from a financial perspective. It works best if we just make this informal. So questions, comments, we'll just take them as they go along. That just works nice that way. Um, we're going to look at um, how much money you need in retirement, and then we're going to look at where you come up with that money. We'll talk about where you come up with that money from Social Security. We'll talk about it from employment. We'll talk about the CSI pension, because that's been a key part for many years. But now we're shifting to what we call a defined contribution world, the 401k, the 403bs. That puts a lot more responsibility on you as the individual. And we'll talk through some of that about ways you can sort of project how much money you need to be saving to accumulate to a certain amount. And then when you get to retirement, how much money can you take out of that in retirement per year type of thing. So those are the kind of things we'll be covering with this. So let's jump right into it. How much money do you need at retirement? Um, and if you just look at page one, I just another just a comment on the income. I mentioned Social Security, I mentioned the employment-related personal savings. We'll talk about personal savings and there's certain strategies you can use to decide about personal savings. We'll talk about those. But I wanted to mention the continued employment. Lots of people for their first five, ten years of what they call retirement, they're still working some, making money. Um, so a part of a retirement strategy isn't necessarily just all of a sudden making money to stop not making money, um, particularly with educators. I find a lot of you, you've used your summers or something for other, whether it's painting or lawn service or a lot of different ways teachers have earned money during summers. And a lot of them continue that into retirement, keeping that piece going for income for a time. So how much money do you need? Looking at page two, one way is to look at what retirees spend. So we have the government survey. It's the yellow page, page 28 in the back. Here's what an average retiree household spends. The average household is 1.7 people, which seems a little strange. Now, your wife might say, well, we have that household. Um, I know who that 0.7 is. But anyway, one thing I wanted to point out on this is if you look at the housing, the footnote at the bottom, housing can make a big difference whether you own a home, whether you still have a mortgage, whether you're renting, um, can make a big difference on what housing cost is in retirement. And again, this is based on actual retiree households is where these numbers are coming from. So the housing thing is just one thing where there's quite a bit of variance in there. So something to just give thought to with that. Another way 
And this is for you younger, it's probably a way to start thinking about it, is think of it as a percentage of your income just before retirement. That's something you could kind of project out what your income might be. And a common rule of thumb is 70 to 80%. So the target would be to have whatever your final income would be just before retirement, 70 to 80%. I personally think that's a bit low. I think it should be more 80 to 90%. Um, and particularly with educators, because you tend to want to retire earlier. I was just talking to someone this morning, it was one of the 35-year people, and they're 60 and they're saying, you know, I think 62 is going to be it for me. Well, that's an early retirement um, with that. And so, earlier you retire, the longer you're going to have retirement years to pay for, which means you might need to start out with a higher percentage. And we'll talk about this 70 to 80 and why I think higher as we go along here today. And then another way, and this is more effective if you're close to retirement, is what is your household budget? We put some blue sheets on the back there that could just help you walk through if you don't have a budget. Uh, just the categories and hopefully you have a bit of a handle and kind of walk through what your household budget is. But if you're close to retirement and you know what your household expenditures are, that gives you a better feel than where your income is in relation. Now, it also can come as bad news because if you do the numbers and you don't have enough income, um, that might mean you have to delay the retirement that you were hoping to do in a year or two for that. Two things I want to point out, and I don't have notes on that uh, in your handout. Two areas where I find people don't pay enough attention, and the first is health care. Health care in retirement is still pretty expensive. Now, some people say, yeah, but there's Medicare. Yes, there is Medicare, but Medicare does not cover everything, and there is a premium with Medicare. Um, we have retiree insurance available to retirees through our health plan. And one of our plans is a, it's a very comprehensive plan. It includes dental coverage, that type of thing. So it, it's a comprehensive plan. But the premiums for that for a year for one person is $4,000. Medicare, Part B, you have to pay for. That premium is $2,000 a year. So right there, it's $6,000 a year uh, for those two pieces. Now, you can get plans that are less expensive than our comprehensive plan, but then they tend to cover less as well, meaning if you're average, you're going to have more out of pocket with that. So if I take that $6,000 a year, for two people, it'd be double that, so $12,000 a year, and I say, well, what if health care goes up 5% a year? Uh, in 20 years, that $6,000 becomes $16,000. For two people, it's $32,000. So 20 years from now, let's say you're thinking of retiring in 20 years, are you thinking that you might have to spend $16,000 a year per person for health care premiums? That's just taking what people are paying today and bumping them up 5% a year. That's a pretty big number. So. 
healthcare tends to be a higher percent of household budgets for retirees than non-retirees just because as we get older, we have more issues, we need to use the healthcare system more. So think about healthcare. The other thing to think about is how long you will live. Um, people underestimate, they don't understand mortality tables, what that means. And there was a survey done a while back and it asked the question, it said that the life expectancy for a 65-year-old is age 85. And they said, so what are the odds that a 65-year-old is going to live to age 85? Well, the correct answer is 50%. Um, but most people, only 30, about only about 35% got that right. The leading incorrect answer was 25% chance. So most people, when they hear, okay, a 65-year-old, their life expectancy is 85, the number one wrong answer thought there was only a 25% chance. So they thought most people were dying before that age. The same survey said take a 65-year-old couple. What are the odds that one or both of them is going to be alive at age 97, trying to pay the health care bill? 25% chance. So, if you're married, age 65, there's a 25% chance that you or your spouse is still going to be alive at age 97. So that's, what, 32 years? Remember my health care, I ran it out 20 years. Add 12 more years to that? Huge number. So, health care and understand when you hear life expectancies what that really means. Because we, we, we hear it, but most of us think we underestimate how many of us will actually live that long. Okay, doom and gloom part's over. Let's go to income. All right, income. Social security. Some of the young ones just tuned me out and said, all right, well, that's not going to be there for me. Uh, it will be there for you. As a nation, we cannot stop Social Security. For many people, it's their number one, it's, it's their only source of income in retirement. Many, many people are not saving enough for retirement. As a nation, we cannot get rid of Social Security. We would have to turn right around and replace it with some other social income program. So for even you younger ones, it will be there. Now you might have to work longer than the current ages are saying. Benefit maybe won't be quite as robust, but I think it will be there for all of you and it's something that you can build into your planning. So I have in the middle of the page what the current ages are. For most of you in this room, it's probably going to be age 67 before you can draw your full Social Security. You can start it early, but if you start it early, it's reduced for early retirement. You can delay starting it. If you delay it, it's increased because you delayed it. And one of the key things of Social Security is it goes up with inflation. There's been a lot of news headlines. Social Security is going to have its biggest increase in whatever, whatever kind of thing because of inflation. 
And it did, it just came out, and I forget what it was, it was around 9% increase um, with that. So if you have an income source that goes up with your cost of living, it makes it a lot easier to budget for retirement. Because you can say, well, this piece is going to keep up with my expenses, more or less. That very much helps you as you plan for making sure you have enough money in your retirement. One thing with Social Security that I would strongly to encourage you to consider is not take it before age 70. I'm not saying don't retire before age 70, but I'm saying don't start your Social Security until age 70. So that's my strategy. I'm going to retire next spring. I'll be not quite 65, but I don't plan on starting my Social Security until age 70. And I have savings built up that I'm going to pay myself my own Social Security for five years. Because if I delay it, it goes up 8% a year for every year you delay it. Um, so for me, it's a little over three-year delay, but it's going to increase my benefit by about 25%. And keep in mind, it goes up with inflation. So now a bigger part of my retirement income is going to be going up with inflation every year. That's really valuable. So I'd rather, some people have their savings and they think those savings are for, okay, if I live a long time, that's when I'll use my savings. I have a savings bucket that allows me to delay Social Security. And then I think that's a great insurance policy should I'm one of those 25% to live to be 97 years old. So think of that as a strategy with Social Security. Delay it to get those increases, um, and then you probably would need some cash to do that. So have savings that would tide you over. So when you think personal savings, that to me is a very specific bucket. You could calc just exactly what it would be. Um, I had it calced and a couple years back I put it into cash. I'm a pretty aggressive investor, but I put that into cash because I knew in a few years I was going to need it, and now it turned out it was a good thing I put it in cash because <laughs> it would have disappeared a good chunk of it this past year type of thing uh, with that. All right. Um, again, some you I get some question or two on Social Security, so don't don't be shy to just raise your hand or whatever. So I'm getting this closer, but um, so by delaying to 70, unfortunately, if you were to pass away at 71, then it's kind of well. Right so if you die at 71, yeah, it's not gonna bother you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> true. Next question. True. 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 Good. That's a good point. But I guess I'm just saying. You if you started at 65 yeah. and are 96, yeah. every morning you wake up, it's going to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> it bothers you now to think, well, but if I wait till 70 and die at 71, I got gypped. Yeah, but well, if it actually happens, there's, there's got to be a cross point where... The cross point is early 80s, okay. 83, right. 84. But to me, it's not... To me, it's how do you protect if you're going to be the 97-year-old? And to me, a great protection is delay Social Security, because then it's like 20-some percent bigger, and that 20-some percent bigger is going to go up with inflation. 
So it's a really strong tool for living long. And that's, from, from a financial perspective, living long is a negative in retirement. Because that means you can need more money with that. Anything else? Social Security? Yeah. Well, so um, just in reference to what she said, if you have two incomes, though, and one of you passes, the higher income rate is the one that you get the... On the Social Security. On the Social Security, yes. right. Um, so the percentage of income for retirement, if you're trying to do that, say you, you retire at 67, those three years in there, you have to kind of calculate a pretty good chunk of change that you need if you, you take a percentage of your wage presently, right? I mean, you have to have like 50000 to pay yourself for a year, right? Yeah, whatever your Social Security would be, yeah. So you, you would take it just as your Social Security or you would take it with whatever your budget needs probably, right? Well, so I figured out what my Social Security is going to be. And so then I, I saved three years of that. Okay. Well, I actually saved five years of it. <coughs> okay. So you have that separate from what else? Well, I've got, right. I, I have my savings all in one spot, but there's buckets within that mm -hmm. bucket. And one of my buckets is an amount of money that every year I'm going to draw a chunk out. And then when Social Security... When I turn 70, I've drawn out what I need for that, and then I'll start Social Security. Now I don't. Now that savings piece I've used, but I don't need it anymore. It served its purpose. But you put other monies with it. I have, I have other savings for other things, and I'll talk about some of the other strategies. Yes. What are the tax implication differences between if you pull out your own money and are taxed? versus uh, drawing the Social Security. Social Security is taxable at certain levels. I forget just when it is. Um, but, I mean, whether you pay the taxes now or later, I mean, I would not start Social Security early thinking, well, then I don't have to maybe pay as many taxes. Um, because you're, again, going up 8% a year, your Social Security, and then having that cost of living on that. that that's, that's huge um, for that. And again, it's all, the, it's all an insurance policy against you're the half that lived beyond age 85. <coughs> CSI pension, page 5. It's been a valuable tool for many, many years. Um, a few years back, as a group of schools, it uh, puts a lot of risk on an employer, a defined benefit pension plan. And for our plan, there was really three risks that the schools said, we're not in a position to take these risks anymore. One, the plan has to earn 7.5% a year on its investments. Uh, it pays benefits for life. So as life expectancy keeps going out, the plan has to pay for life, so there's a risk. And then we had to pay what's called PBGC premiums to the government for a pension plan. Um, back 15 years ago, those premiums were about $250,000 a year, and over a 10-year span, they went to $7 million a year. Fortunately, we now have got legislation where we're back to the $250,000 a year. Um, but we went through a spell there that, yeah, we were writing checks to the government, four million, and then five million, and then six million, and then seven million a year. 
it was huge for us. Um, we fixed that piece, but you never know what Congress might do in the future again either. So for those reasons, schools said, you know, we, we can't afford to take on those risks anymore. So we've hard frozen the plan, which means no new benefits are earned. So if you have benefits in the plan, those are there, and they'll be payable at retirement. If you, you need to have five years in the plan to qualify to, to, to draw a pension. So we have some people yet that are not vested. It's called vesting. Um, so you still earn vesting service. So even though you're not earning new benefits per se, if you don't have your five years in the plan and you're working at a school in the plan or that you know, was in the plan before it froze, you continue to earn vesting service. And so once you get your five years, you'll be vested qualified for the pension. I've got a question. How can you qualify the pension if you're not feeding into the pension? Well, if you have fed into it, so let's say you put two years, you were in two years and then it froze. Okay. Now you only have two years of service for vesting. You need five. Okay. You just aren't so at that amount. So we're of continuing. Money. So if you're continued to serve at a school for three more years, we would give you years of service toward vesting. But you have a frozen amount that you can only get. Right. So when they send that thing out to us now, that's the amount. There's That'll be your amount. Okay. That's right. You get an annual statement in December. Is it safe? Is it going to be there? Is it safe? Is it going to be there? Um, my opinion is yes. And that's where the PBGC comes in, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Um, they are the ones that if for some reason the plan didn't have enough money, they would take it over and they would pay the benefits. There are some people with, they have a cap on how much pension it would be, but under our plan, I think there's only like six people above the cap. So, what's the cap? I forget what the number is, but we, yeah, we don't have many people that are above the cap. Um, and once you start your pension, if you've received your pension for three years, um, even if you're above the cap, Social Security will pay it. They won't, they won't reduce your benefit. Um, it's like, I think it's about like 70000 a year pension um, is the cap, something like that. Uh, you can start our pension early, before age 65. For us, it's 65. Um, it's reduced. We'll talk about if you would reduce it. Um, uh, there is a part of your benefit, if you've been in the plan a long time, there's a part of your benefit that you could start at 62 and it's unreduced. Um, and what I would encourage you to do, so you get an annual statement, usually in December every year, it has some information. Um, but we're happy to do retirement calcs for you as well. Um, and you can, um, Becky Outshorn at our office does those calcs. Uh, you could shoot her an email. Uh, her email is becky.outshorn, and it's Becky with a Y, B-E-C-K-Y. Um, Becky.outshorn, O-U-D-S-H-O-O-R-N, O-U-D-S-H-O-O-R-N, at C-E-B-T cebteam.org, and you could just say, hey, could you run me retirement calc at 862, 865? Can you call that uh, email again, please? Yeah, Becky, B-E-C-K-Y dot Outshorn, O-U-D-S-H-O-O-R-N, yep. 
at cebteam.org. The last part. Team, I think it was. C-E-B-T-E-A-M. C-E-B-Team. And there's an easier way to do it today. Um, Brenda, raise your hand. Way in the back, Brenda. Uh, Becky is out ill today. So Brenda also works in our office, and she's here. And if you stop by our booth, which is kind of off the bottom of the steps right here on this floor, she'll take down the info. And before Monday, probably, you'll have retirement, if you don't, unless you don't know how many of you do it. Um, if we get a typical number, by early next week, you'll have retirement projections in your email box. So you can just swing by our booth. We have some forms you could fill out. But do it for a variety of ages. Get some perspective on different numbers, et cetera, with that. Our pension does not go up with inflation. So the number it starts is the number it stays. So here's another savings component. So one thing I did with my savings is... I figured out how much money would I need to give my pension a 4% raise every year. Okay, because my costs are going to go up in retirement. And I budgeted that, okay, I'm going to assume my costs go up 4% a year. So I said, how much would I need to give my pension a 4% raise every year for 30 years? I figured out what that amount of money is. And I have some of my savings, a chunk of that savings is sitting aside now. And I don't have that all in cash. I have that invested pretty aggressively because I will only need a little bit at a time. Um, and that's another savings thing. So I've, I've got a very specific social, or social security, fill the gap savings. And then I've got another savings that will allow myself to give my pension a 4% raise for 30 years. So those are two strategies I used with personal savings. So something to be thinking about for that. 401k, 403b, the defined contribution world. Probably many of your schools have put those plans in place now. Um, and the school is probably putting some money toward it as well as yourself. Um, we'll do some math in a little bit on what certain savings amounts could generate for you at retirement. Um, it, again, it puts a lot more responsibility on you as the individual. Um, so something you'll be needing to think about. Yes? Going back to the CSI pension, are we able to move that to something else if we would want? And would you recommend it? If you're under age 65 and become inactive, so you're no longer at a school in the plan, you can withdraw a cash amount, but it's not your total value of the pension. Um, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, so you can't do a total lump sum cash out. You could do a partial, but generally we don't do the lump sum option. Um, we have this partial cash thing if you become inactive, um, but it's only for a portion, and then we have to do a recalc to see what your pension still would be uh, for that. A plan, we could have a lump sum option, 
it's very intentional that we don't. Um, Could you transfer it to like a different retirement fund? No. So it's not transferable. It just by its nature, it doesn't work to transfer because it's, it's a payment for life. So it's, it's a unique type thing that doesn't really work to transfer to another vehicle. Yes? On the freezing of the pension, if you continue to vest, do you qualify eventually for the medical insurance or no? For medical insurance? Medical insurance is totally separate from pension. Um, you can, you could, um, you, if you're getting a CSI pension, you could apply for our medical with health statement. But our medical is only really in Michigan. Healthcare has become so regionalized that it's been hard to do something on a national scale on the healthcare scene. We have life disability programs like that for schools all across the nation. And we have health options all across the nation, but it's, it's, for the retiree, it's pretty much Michigan. Um, this chart here. We're looking so, at the green page? Yeah, and that was the one you referenced, right? The fiscal pension. Yep. You find your age and then a year and then gives you an amount. How does this really work? Like well, this is, this is Social Security. The green page is to get an idea of Social Security. Uh, yeah, we've got the CSI pension at the top. Yeah. I missed it. But it's, it's, it's yeah. to get an idea how much your oh, Social okay. Security would be. Thank you. Again, best way for your pension, you get the annual statement, but again, have some retirement. Because we'll talk about it in a minute. You have choices at retirement, um, and all of those choices will be on your calc for what you and if you have a spouse, what your spouse could get. All right, I want to keep jumping along here. Uh, just some examples on page 8 and 9. Uh, we're going to do some uh, look at what some people would need. So... We're looking at single and married, singles making anywhere from 30000 to 65000 married the same. On the married one, we're assuming the spouse does not work, but the spouse will qualify for half the Social Security of the, the worker. Um, and we're using that 70 to 80%. Again, I don't think 70 to 80% is a high enough, but it's still kind of the common target, so we used it in here. We use the 80% for the lower wage earner and the 70% for the higher. The idea is a can of soup costs the same amount of money. So it's a higher percent of a lower wage earner's household, but a lower percent. So that's why the 80% is on the lower household, the 70% on the higher income household um, with the range. Uh, but you can see there that after tax, after Social Security, the percentage people need to hit the 70 to 80 percent, the singles need another 40-ish percent of income, the marrieds need another 20 to 30 percent. So that's the gap. If you look at the next page, these are some people from our CSI pension. Page 9 are people that have been more in the 3 percent plan. Um, we've had a variety of contribution levels. As a percent of income, you can see they're going to be getting in the 30-ish percent. These are people with many years in the plan. Okay, these are people with 35-ish kind of years in the plan. The next page are people that have been in a higher contribution level in the plan for most of their years. 
also many years in the plan, low 30s. And there the replacement rate is 40 to 50 percent. So if you're getting close to retirement and you have lots of years in the pension, you know, your replacement rate might be 30, 40 kind of percent uh, of what the, what the CSI pension might pay you as compared to your income at retirement. Early retirement, I want to touch on a couple things. And then after that, uh, we'll talk about your choices at retirement. And then we'll get into some numbers for the defined contribution world. So early retirement, the point I basically want to make is the CSI plan does give some help. Like you could start benefits at 62. There are some benefits unreduced uh, if you've been in the plan a while. Uh, but there's a cost to retire early. So we're using one of our people. And if you look two-thirds of the way down page 13, uh, their pension at 65 would be $23,977. Social Security would be $14,000 for a total of $38,000. And that's at age 65. If they decide to quit at 62 and start both pension and Social Security, the pension would be $20,400. It's reduced for early retirement. Social Security is less for early retirement, so $31,000. So for this person to retire three years early, it's going to cost them $6,700 every year of their life. In a lump sum, that's worth $93,000. Now maybe this person does this, and they go out and paint houses, and earn their $93,000 painting houses. Um, so they might not just quit working, they might go and earn that money some other way. Taking advantage of some of the, the generous terms in the CSI pension to help make it affordable uh, on that. Define contribution. Next page. So here we're going to take a 40-year-old making $50,000 they're going to save 6% a year. And they're expecting to earn 7.5% on their money before and after retirement. Page 14. So they're saying, okay, I'm not sure if I want to work till 60, 65, or 70. So they do the math, and if they go till 60, they will have accumulated $176,000. That would allow them to withdraw... Uh, and they want the they want the money to last till age 95. Okay, that's that's what they're budgeting here. So they could start out drawing 6.05 percent a year. So $10,600 is what they could draw in year one. And this is assuming that they bump that amount up 2 percent a year. So in year two, they bump that 10,000 up another 2 percent. If they wait five years. They, instead of having 176,000, they have 294. Five more years of savings and an investment return. They could also withdraw a little bit bigger percent, so 6.4 percent. So they'd start out with almost 19,000 a year is what they could withdraw from that amount. And if they were to wait till age 70, they'd have 472,000. Could withdraw a larger percent, 32,000. So that's just to sort of give some scale of 
starting at one point or five years later or ten years later can make a big difference. Um, again, one, more savings, more time to increase, and then also fewer years you're paying for in retirement. Choices that retirement with the CSI pension. I want to touch on that. And again, after here you leave and you go to the booth and you have the paperwork filled out. Be patient, standing in line, all chatting together. Um, all of those, all these options will be on those calcs for you. Yes. You know how you said you can like stop working but not take your Social Security until seventy. Does it work that way with the pension plan? Like, say you stopped at sixty-two but did start taking your pension benefits till sixty-five. Would that is that? If you stop working. Totally. You can't work at all in a school that's in the plan. And, and so if you stop working after age 65, there is an actuarial increase to the pension as well. But you can't work at all at a school. You couldn't substitute teach. You can't. So it's, it's, it's pretty stringent as what it takes to get the actuarial increase, but there is the potential for it. So like if you stop working at 62 but said, I'm not going to take that pension to 65. No increase. Okay. It's only after 65 where there would be an increase. Okay. Okay, choice at retirement. Um, it's different for every couple or person. Um, we'll start with the one at the bottom of the page, the period certain in life. So your standard pension is a pension payable for your life, okay? So you start that pension, payments go to your death, and then stop. You can buy a five or ten year guarantee to that. That's what's at the bottom of the page. So let's say you decide to buy the ten year guarantee, um, and you're age 65. So instead of getting, let's say, $1,000 a month, you'll get $971 a month. Okay, but then if you die after eight years, two more years would be paid to your beneficiary. If you buy the, if you take the single life and buy the 10-year guarantee and live 30 years, benefits stop at death because you got more than 10 years. Okay, so that's the one. Now let's say you have a spouse. Okay, so let's assume you're, you're 65, your spouse is 57, and you decide you want to do that they're going to get 75% of what you had been getting. And I'll talk about why they choose 75 in a minute. But you can see the factor there of 0.8780. So that's the price you pay. So if you look at the top of page 16, so instead of getting $1,000, this retiree is going to get $878 a month. At their death, their spouse, if still alive, would get 75% of the 878 for 659. Now there's a little bit of a tweak with that. It's called a papa. So that's the next thing described. And if you look at it, the price is a little bit higher. So instead of getting $878, this person's getting $872. So what did that $6 buy them? Well, at the top of the page, again, if you die, your spouse still living would get 75% of what you chose, your number. If your spouse dies before you, you keep getting the 
$878. If you buy the papa and your spouse dies before you, your benefit will pop up to the $1,000. Okay? So just a little tweak of a feature uh, just to want to point out to you. Um, so how do you choose? You don't have to choose until right before retirement. So you don't have to be 50 years old and thinking, well, boy, I don't know. Well, you don't have to worry about it when you're 50. This is something you do right at retirement. And what we tell people to do is think of husband, wife, income, expense. And set the CSI pension aside and just think about what your household situation is. So say, okay, so take husband. If he dies first, what happens to income? Well, maybe there's a life insurance policy that gets paid. Maybe there's a part-time job that's going to stop and income goes down. What might happen? What happens to expenses if husband dies first? Maybe you go from two cars to one car. Health care. Or maybe you get to now start spending on all those hobbies that you wanted to always spend and the expenses go up. I don't know. Then take wife. Okay, what if wife dies first? What happens to income? What happens to expenses if wife dies first? Well, if you'd say, you know what, no matter who dies first, nothing happens with income and nothing happens with expenses, you're going to want to choose the 100% survivor benefit because you're saying the household's going to need the same amount of money no matter who dies first. Now, typically, expenses will probably go down, and so then you could say, we don't need the 100 we think maybe the 75 will work, or the 50. We have a lot of married people that take the single life benefit. Now before your wheels start turning, your spouse has to sign off and agree to it, and it has to be a notarized signature, it can't be yours. Um, and you're saying, well, why would a spouse sign off on that? Because then they're gonna get nothing. Well, we're a high percentage female, and many of the females maybe are going to have like 25 years in our plan because they may have stopped teaching for some years and raised the kids or whatever. And the husband had a very good vocation, had good money, has a good pension or retirement income. And he says, you know, honey, odds are you're going to live longer than me. I want you to get the whole pension. I will be fine if I don't get any CSI pension. I want you to get the most. That's not uncommon for us to get, and the husband signs off because it tends to be where the female is the participant in our plan, and the husband says, I want you to get it all. So even the single life is a choice that happens with married couples. All right. Again, jump in, but I want to keep moving for time. All right. Defined contribution. How much money? So we're going to take our 40-year-old and do some crunching with it. The, there's a table on page 19. So the left-hand column, how many years in the future? So let's say 25 years in the future. Okay, so I'm down at row 25. And I'm going to say, I'm going to budget that I'm going to earn 7.5% on my money. So see that 9,811? 
Now, there's a formula. And don't try to think it through, uh, but there's a formula. And so you take that, so I'm almost to the bottom of page 18. You take the 9,811 times the salary, the 50,000. You divide it by 10,000. You take that times the saving rate. This person's saving 6% of their income. And divide by 1%. Don't do this in your head. Other than there's a couple of people here, I know they could probably do it in their head. Um, but, so this person, if they save 6% of their income for 25 years, make 7.5% on their money, they're going to have $294,000 accumulated. This is also assuming their salary goes up 4% a year. So it's not a static 50000 Okay? So you can play with this chart and this formula and do some modeling to see how much money you could come up with for different years of time, different investment returns, different savings rates type thing. Now, how much can you spend in retirement on that money? Let's go to the next page. So, I'm going to jump to page 21. So, for every $100,000, that's what this page is built on, for what every $100,000. So, I'm going to look at the 25-year withdrawal. So, this person's going to budget that I need my money to last 25 years. Okay, we have 30 years on here and we have 35 also, but let's just look at the 25. They're going to assume they're going to make 7.5% on their money. They can start out drawing 6.9% of their balance. So $6,900 a year. Um, and then that's assuming that that's going to go up 2% a year. So 25 years down the road, it'll be instead of 6,900, 11,000 a year. Okay, so it's going up every year. Okay, so let's assume this person had $300,000 saved. So they're going to start out $6,900. So that's just about $21,000 a year. So how does that compare to their final income? Well, if they were making $50,000 a year and they got a 4% raise every year, they're now making $128,000 a year. If it went up 2% a year, they'd be making uh, $80,000 a year. But because this was built on 4% a year to come up with a $300,000, so $128,000. So that's the $21,000 is 16% of their final income. The person's Social Security would be about 15% of their final income. So 31%. So for this person, they're at a 31% replacement rate between these two. Well, that's not enough. So for this person, now again, they're starting at age 40 with sort of nothing and saving 6%. So if you're 40 years old and have no retirement savings, um, no CSI pension, 
and you're just looking at your savings and Social Security and thinking, oh, I'll save 6% a year. Um, you'll probably be looking at about a 30% replacement rate. That's not enough. So this person's got to save a lot more than 6%. So again, currently most schools are not putting very much money in your defined contribution plan. At least what I've heard. I've heard the highest I've ever heard is six, but a lot of them I've heard are down around two or three percent. Um, and if you're matching it, so you're getting six, this is your example at six percent of saving. You're looking at a 30 percent replacement rate in retirement. That's not going to get you very far. Yep. I think so. I'm just trying to put this all together. Can you define what that 30% well, like what is a replacement rate again? Well, so I took the $21,000. Okay. That if you had 300,000, because I was using from that previous one, the person who saved that they would they would have accumulated $300,000. So I said, okay. So now let's take that person. Their income, if they were getting that 4% raise a year, their income would be 128,000. So I took 21,000 divided by 128,000. And that's, what was it, 16, that's 16%. So their 21,000 is 16% of their final wage. And remember we said you need 70 to 80, and I argue you better shoot more toward 90% replacement. So this example, this person's at a 30% replacement, they need another 50%. They need another 60 some thousand dollars from some other sources to be at that 80-ish percent replacement rate. So you're saying in this scenario they've only saved up 30% of what they need? That's what the... Well, they, they, they're replacing 30% of their income. Okay. Oh, gotcha. That's not going to get them far in retirement. If next year you suddenly were making 30% of what you're making this year, that probably isn't going to work for you. The earlier you start saving, again, go back to that 40-year-old who said, well, should I go to 60, 65, or 70? And you looked at the difference between the lump sums at retirement? It can make a huge difference if you start five years earlier. But again, if you're only putting 6%, it's, it's going to be hard. So you really, and again, the, the burden is now on you, more than ever. Each one of you on your own need to decide this. And I know it can be really hard to come up with the money to save for retirement, um, along with, compared to all your other household costs, expenses, etc. But someday you're going to get to retirement, and I want you provided for and you're going to want to have health care and be able to fill your prescriptions and those kind of things and visit the grandchildren and whatever type thing. Alright. So, summarizing. Oh, effects of inflation. Oh shoot, one more bad news one. <laughs> Forgot about that. Alright. Just to give an example on inflation, uh, I'm going to look at the top of page 23, 
um, assuming inflation is 2% is the first two columns. We're taking one of the people we looked at earlier, and we're just saying 20 years down the road, they need $52,000. Okay, that's taking their income at when they retired and assume there's 2% a year to their expenses. Um, so the person in the first column is going to be 10000 a year short. They would need at retirement a, a bank account of $33,000 where they could have paid themselves a raise every year. So it's the concept I have with my pension. I've got, some, I've got money set aside that I can get my, the amount of my pension a 4% raise for 30 years. That's the concept it's trying to show here. So this is taking this person um, and just saying, okay, Social Security is going to go up with inflation. It's kind of what's built into here. But their other income didn't go up at all. But if they had a savings account of $33,000 at retirement, they could have been pulling out amounts every year to keep up with inflation. And they would have been getting the $52,000 um, where their expenses had gone up. Okay, summarizing. So what do you see? You plan to retire? The earlier you retire, the lower your savings, the less time to save, and you've got to protect yourself from inflation longer period of time. Retiring early, the financial perspective is everything works against it. It's just all bad news for retiring early. Um, what income do you need? You know, some people don't need much in retirement, relatively speaking, compared to some other people. I mean, a lot of different goals in retirement and, and costs associated. And for some people, health care, they just have a certain situation where they have very expensive health care needs. Um, there are some specialty drugs out there. I was just yesterday an example of someone I know, $35,000 a month for their medicine. And I think their health care plan they're responsible for 33% of it. Ouch. Now, there's nothing they can do about it. But those are the challenges we face in retirement um, with that. Um, and again, so once you look at that, look at your sources. Again, talk to each other nicely as you're standing in line filling out the paperwork so we can send you the retirement help. You can also go online and do it. You can log into your account and do them. People do that, but we're happy to do that for you. Social Security. Um, SocialSecurity.gov, my, my statement, my account. Um, get yourself a Social Security account and make sure all your earnings are on there and watch it because there are mistakes made. Your employer might have put a wrong social number and you didn't get a year or two of earnings. So go out to Social Security and make sure all your earnings are showing up. They have a very helpful website. How do they calculate? Is that your highest 10 years? No, it goes like 30, 35 years. It's a long span. So if you work part and they do time for kids and then the other part, you don't have that 35, then it lowers. They, every year is like a zero. It all gets calced in, but it's like calced as a zero. But you do want to... Social Security has a really, really helpful website. You know, they get a lot of flack, the government, whatever. 
but they really have a really helpful website. But you want to go on and make sure all your earnings are correct and just keep track of it as you go along. It's important. Other questions, comments? Just a comment, I'd like to thank you on behalf of all of us for all your years of service to CA. So thank you. I'll hang her, yeah. do, do you recommend um, investing um, in a Roth along with as using that as one of your buckets? The, the question is Roth or non-Roth. Roth means you put your money in after you've paid taxes on your money, but then anything it grows to, you get to pull out and not have to pay taxes on. The non-Roth is you get to put it in without having to pay taxes on it, but then anything you pull out, you have to pay taxes on. I am doing Roth because I can afford to pay taxes now and I don't know what taxes will be in the future. I sense higher than probably now and now I don't have to worry about taxes on it. So because I can afford to save what I need to save and pay the taxes on it, I'm doing it that way. But you know, if you need to hit a number and you can't, if you pay the taxes first, you're not getting enough into your savings account you know, then you might not want to do that. But I like, again, I can afford to pay the taxes now and save what I need, and now I don't have to worry about what tax rates will be when I pull that out. So that's my preference, but I can, again, I can afford to pay the taxes now. Anything else? All right, I'll hang around a bit if you had any specific question personally, but...